Well, this evening we would like to, I would like to um, just go over a little bit of how the sacraments are um, such a source of healing for us. And um, Dr. Bob Schutz wrote a book about that very thing um, called Be Transformed, The Healing Power of the Sacraments. Um, another, another book to, uh, that I recommend uh, that you take a look at, uh, Be Transformed, The Healing Power of the Sacraments by Bob Schutz. You know, obviously the sacraments are essential. These are the channels of grace that Jesus has given us. He's given us seven, uh, seven uh, ways of encountering him and of, countering, and, and of a, encountering the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, uh, these seven sacraments. They're such an incredible gift to us. We can say as Catholics that, that we are so blessed. We have such an incredible treasure. We have everything we need in this life. We have everything we need um, in this journey, on this pilgrimage uh, to the Father's house. And the sacraments most definitely are um, our sustenance. These are the ways in which um, at different points in our lives, um, we receive the strength of God's grace. And, um, and also we receive in them healing. You know, we know that of those seven sacraments, there are two that are specifically uh, designed for healing. Uh, and I guess the easiest way for me to remember the sacraments, all seven of them, is, is to think of the fact that we have three sacraments of initiation, two sacraments of healing, and two sacraments of service to communion. So the three sacraments of initiation being baptism and confirmation and uh, the Holy Eucharist. And then the two sacraments of healing being the sacrament of reconciliation or confession, as well as the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. And then we have two sacraments uh, in service to communion, and that's holy orders, uh, bishops, priests, and deacons, and then um, also holy matrimony. The sacrament of mar marriage uh, is also uh, in service to communion. Uh, let's look at what the catechism says about the sacraments. And so we'll go through the sacraments and then we'll go through a little bit of, about inner healing prayer. Catechism, uh, paragraph 1509 says, heal the sick. The church has received this charge from the Lord and strives to carry it out by taking care of the sick as well as by accompanying them with her prayer of intercession. She believes in the life-giving presence of Christ, the physician of souls and bodies. This presence is particularly active through the sacraments and in an altogether special way through the Eucharist, the bread that gives eternal life and that St. Paul suggests is connected with bodily health. And I think it's important for us to remember that um, you know, the sacraments are not magic. We have to be disposed to receive the grace of the sacrament. And, and this, is a, this is a challenge for all of us. You know, it's, it's, um, it's something we all have to um, be intentional about. You know, and, and it can be hard, especially when things are routine, when the Eucharist being celebrated every day and every week is routine. It can be routinish, I guess you could say. But 
Um, and so it's so important for us to come, come to the sacraments with a reflection on it or just pondering how awesome they are and what is about to happen through them and, and to um, dispose ourselves to be open to the graces that God wants to give us through those sacraments and to expect them and to look for, forward to them. Uh, and so, you know, we, we have to be disposed, you know, to receive the sacraments, you know, and uh, I should say to receive the grace that God desires to give us through those sacraments. Uh, we can't be just kind of checked out mentally and, um, and expect to be affected the way God wants us to be affected by the sacraments. Um, Catechism, paragraph 1116 says this, Sacraments are powers that come forth from the body of Christ. Sacraments are powers that come forth from the body of Christ, which is ever, which is ever living and life-giving. They are actions of the Holy Spirit at work in his body, the church. They are the master works of God in the new and everlasting covenant. You know, this, this phrase, um, sacraments are powers that come forth from the body of Christ. Um, there is a, um, there's a special crucifix at the Schoenstatt Shrine, just north of Crete, Nebraska, where um, the, it has Jesus on the cross and, and then the Blessed Mother, Mary, holding this chalice just beneath the wound on his side. And she's collecting the precious blood of Jesus in that chalice. It's really a, a striking um, image you know, that the Blessed Mother is um, feeling, you know, collecting, if you will, that power coming forth from the from the side of Christ. You know, and, and we we know that, or we. Um, we understand, I should say, that the, um, the blood and water that flowed from Christ's side or from his, from his heart, from his side, you know, represents, uh, was symbolic of the sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist, the precious blood of Jesus. The Catechism, paragraph 1153 says, a sacramental celebration is a meeting of God's children with their father, in Christ and the Holy Spirit. A sacramental celebration is a meeting of God's children with their Father in Christ and the Holy Spirit. You know, do, we, do we understand that? Do we, you know, and is that something that you know, really resonates in our hearts? You know, if not, then we just ask the Lord to, to a deeper meaning, a deeper understanding of it, a deeper awareness of this reality that we are encountering, we are meeting our Father and His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in, in every sacramental celebration. <clears throat> so as I mentioned, Dr. Bob in his book, Be Transformed, The Healing Power of the Sacraments, he takes, um, it's interesting how he, what he does is he takes each of the seven wounds and he shows how one of the sacraments heals that particular wound. 
And uh, so it, it's just very enlightening, uh, just a powerful reflection and, and explanation of how that is the case. And so with respect to baptism, he says that baptism heals rejection, the wound of rejection. And I'll just read uh, what he says on, on page 37. He says, baptism is a public blessing declaring that you and I are precious and unrepeatable gifts of the Father. By restoring our relationship with God, baptism fundamentally heals the wounds of rejection that have plagued the human race since our fall from grace. Though God never rejected Adam and Eve, their decision to reject him invited a curse of rejection into the world, which has infected all of humanity. Subsequently, every child born into this world is marked with an inherent deficiency due to original sin. Outside of baptism, we remain cut off from the Father's love and delight. In Christ, through baptism, this primordial curse of rejection is overcome as we receive the Father's blessing and are elevated to participate in his Trinitarian love. Again, going back to identity, being able to um, be drawn into communion with the Holy Trinity. Holy Communion, uh, the Eucharist, uh, heals the wound of abandonment, heals the wound of abandonment, he says. He says, when they broke bread, speaking of um, Jesus at the Last Supper and also um, at Pentecost, after Pentecost, says, when they broke bread in remembrance of his death, and resurrection after Pentecost, these early disciples experienced the risen Jesus. His abiding presence filled their hearts and permeated their communities. Witnessing his resurrection power in their midst, healing and miracles abounded. By all evidence, these men, women, and children were on fire with the Holy Spirit. With their passionate zeal, they set the world around them ablaze with his love. Through them, people saw and experienced a living Jesus, not a faint memory of him. Carrying his divine presence, they attracted thousands into the church. You know, and so we are so blessed. And we can, it's pretty easy to see, I think, how the wound of abandonment, how, how the Eucharist brings healing to that wound of abandonment. Because in those times, even where we feel like we have been abandoned by even God himself, or that, that, that's what it felt like, that's what the experience felt like. We, in the present, we, we are in the presence of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the King of Kings, um, here in the Eucharist. And, and so he's here to say, I have not abandoned you, and you are always welcome. You are always welcome to, to spend time with me. And, um, and we also know that that abiding presence, okay, the special presence of Jesus in the Eucharist also um, strengthens his abiding presence in you and me, his abiding presence through his Holy Spirit. So you are now, through baptism, you are other Christs in the world. And so 
being in the presence of the Eucharist and even receiving the Eucharist um, strengthens you, helps you, gives you the grace you need to be Christ outside of these walls. You are Christ outside of these walls and inside of them, inside this room as well, obviously. But um, you have his spirit uh, in you. Okay, confirmation heals powerlessness, powerlessness, uh, Dr. Bob says. And um, he says, allow the name anointed. I'm sorry, allow the name anointed one. And we think of, you know, that action, that sacramental, um, when, we are, when we receive that sacrament where um, the bishop, or maybe it was a priest, who said, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit and anointed our forehead and maybe in, with the laying on of hands at the same time and, and using our confirmation name, uh, Mary, uh, Joseph, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we are anointed by the Holy Spirit with that sacred chrism. And so Bob, Dr. Bob says, allow the name anointed one to become part of your fundamental identity. If you have been baptized and confirmed into, in Christ, the same Holy Spirit who anointed and empowered Jesus dwells in you and acts through you. You are the Father's beloved. Jesus' abiding presence remains with you. You are anointed with the full power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' mission has become your mission. Okay, so and we can see how confirmation overcomes and heals that wound of powerlessness because the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And by confirmation, you know, the power of God has been poured into us. Um, okay. The Catechism, uh, paragraph uh, 1302, paragraph 1302 says this, it is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. And that obviously gave them power, gave them fearlessness, grace, and strength that they needed to go and spread the gospel um, without a single care about what would happen to them. And many of them we know were martyred, um, but they knew where their reward was, that they had inherited the Father's um, blessing, they had inherited heaven, and that's what um, they were longing for, but they had the grace of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Holy orders, the sacrament of holy orders, uh, Dr. Bob says, heals confusion, the wound of confusion. You know, we can just think of how um, the magisterium of the church, you know, the teaching office of the church, the Pope in union with the bishops, uh, and, and just thinking of the catechism itself, uh, which summarizes for us what, what we have believed, what has been handed on to us as Catholics from the very beginning. And 
you know, certainly with development of doctrine along the way and a further flowering of and exp- explaining of what God, what, what Jesus handed on to the apostles uh, when he established his church. But how, how um, um, awesome that is, what a great gift it is, what a treasure it is to have a teaching authority divinely inspired that keeps us in truth, keeps us in the faith that Jesus himself gave the apostles. He says, Dr. Bob does that matrimony, the sacrament of matrimony heals fear. Heals fear. He says, despite the well-known fact that marriage is poorly regarded in modern society, this is on page 103, God intended the sacrament of matrimony to be the source of love and life in every family and the foundation of security for every human person. And he goes on to say that every child's heart and and overall well-being, overall well-being is formed in the school of love between his or her parents. When bonds of love are secure, children and adults alike experience a pervasive sense of peace and joy, which allows them to thrive and develop to their fullest potential, having their identity rooted and grounded in God's faithful love. These secure love bonds enable all the members of the family to experience peace, freedom, and nourishing intimacy. You know, and then he says also the converse is true. You know, the absence of God's faithful love in marriage and family life leaves everyone feeling insecure. Children and spouses are then schooled in the way of fear and eventually form what researchers call fear bonds. These pseudo bonds formed in the absence of love are fortified by proud judgments and confining self-protections. In this kind of environment, it is difficult for married couples and children alike to find genuine connectedness or develop lasting trust with one another. These wounds of fear instinctively motivate all the members of the family to remain isolated in order to avoid more pain, thus creating environments rife with mistrust, which in turn increases fear and mistrust. Okay, so matrimony uh, heals the wound of fear because of the security that there is in those love bonds and, and in relationship and good, healthy relationship and family life. There's security in that, undeniable security in it. <clears throat> And then the sacrament of reconciliation, he says, heals shame. And I already quoted uh, Father Gabriel Amorth, um, now deceased, but um, that exorcist from Rome, who said that, uh, that, you know, that the one thing that the, that the devil fears most is one good confession. And uh, uh, so... Confession is another healing sacrament, as we know. And there is an inc- 
incredible power, incredible um, healing to take away shame, to just take away shame in the sacrament. You know, the beautiful, the beautiful surrender of the burdens that are on our hearts, the beautiful, um, honest confession and accounting for the ways that we've offended God or others or even ourselves. You know, just putting that into the light of God's glory, you know, just destroys shame, just destroys shame. And, um, and so we, uh, yeah, it can be, it can be hard at times to make, conf- to, to confess our sins because of just the, um, yeah, just the, uh, we, uh, the fear really. Um, and, and I, I've experienced that as well. You know, I, I go to my brother priest for confession, you know, and there's certainly been many times where I've wondered, well, I got to go to confession or should go to confession. And, um, you know, I wonder what this brother priest is going to think of me if I confess this or confess that. And, uh, um, by God's grace, there's been, um, you know, after thinking that, the thought often comes, if not every time, comes, I don't care. I just want Jesus' forgiveness. I just don't care. And, and so, um, and then we find, you know, that what we've made, this kind of mountain uh, of something to get over and confessing our sins is really... God makes it so easy for us. He is so kind. He is so gentle. And he makes it easy for us. You know, whereas, the, you know, the enemy, you know, this is his MO. He, he makes sin look appealing, like it's no big deal. And then once we've fallen and t- taken the bait, then he turns around and says, oh, boy, that is so bad how could you possibly have done that? And how could you possibly expect forgiveness for that? It's going to be so hard for you to get forgiveness from God for that. You know, so which is it? It's not that big a deal or it really is a big deal. Um, And so that's just how he works, right? He he wants to pour shame on us, um, you know, after we've fallen. And then finally, the anointing of the sick heals hopelessness. It heals hopelessness. And so catechism, um, catechism, paragraph 1520. And so we're, we're going to go to the catechism on this one. But a particular gift of the Holy Spirit. The first grace of the sacrament is one of strengthening, peace, and courage to overcome the difficulties that go with the condition of serious illness or the frailty of old age. This grace is a gift of the Holy Spirit who renews trust and faith in God and strengthens against the temptations of the evil one, the temptation to discouragement and anguish in the face of death. This assistance from the Lord by the power of his spirit is meant to lead the sick person to healing of the soul, but also of the body, if such is God's will. Furthermore, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And so the anointing of the sick also, as with all the sacraments, is powerful. 
um, it can bring about a, a, a physical healing, can bring about a real physical healing. And, um, and we should pray for that, you know, ahead of the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. If that's what our hearts desire, if that's um, what we're wanting, Lord, we pray that this sacrament just bring heal, total healing to my body. Um, or, um, and it also as well gives strength to endure whatever that sickness, that illness is, um, whatever the circumstances are. Okay, now I'd like to switch a little bit to, so we have the, the wounds, the seven deadly wounds and those seven um, sacraments. Again, the book uh, Be Transformed by Bob Schutz really brings that out. Now I'd just like to talk a little bit about uh, inner healing prayer. And you know, there's various ways that um, th this can be done. Dr. Bob in, in the, um, what's called the Healing the Whole pers Person Conference that he leads. Uh, and you can just go to the John Paul II Healing Center, JP, John Paul II, John Paul II Healing Center.org to, um, to find out different events that this, um, uh, that, the, that they offer. And one of them is called the Healing the Whole Person, Healing the Whole Person. And we had that actually at St. Peter's in Lincoln last July. But, uh, you know, Dr. Bob says, um, <clears throat> you know, regarding inner healing prayer, and it can take different forms. Um, we, can, we can have people lead us through that you know, lead us, lead us through memories. And essentially what it comes down to is um, bringing to mind or allowing the Lord, I should say, to bring to mind a, a wound to our hearts and then asking him to speak truth into that place, asking him to come and be with us as we remember that wound. And we try to actually feel the pain that we experienced at that time. We just simply ask Jesus or and Mary or other saints to come with us back to that place, back to that memory, and, and just um, ask Jesus to show where he was in that time or ask him to speak truth into that memory um, or just ask him what he wants to say about that time in my life. <clears throat> You know, it's, it's important to remember, too, that it's just, it's, you know, that healing prayer, you know, it's, it's not um, necessarily the case that, I mean, it could take several experiences of that, you know, continuing to pray with a particular memory it could take several. And, and what's important to keep in mind with that is that just because it takes more time with it in prayer does not mean that we have a lack of faith. That doesn't it doesn't necessarily compute. You know, it doesn't necessarily follow. Um, that okay, it takes a little time, a little more time. It's a process. It's a process. It takes a little more time to pray with this or that memory. Um, it's not a um, it's not a judgment on our faith. I mean, remember the time when Jesus healed the blind man but it took him two, 
<laughs> took him two, uh, uh, two times to, you know, he basically said, okay, can you see? And the blind man said, well, everybody looks like trees. And um, so, so he prayed with him again. And, um, and then he was completely healed. So uh, I don't know what that's about. I don't know what the mystery, I mean, it is a mystery. I don't, but, you know, just the point I think I'm trying to make is don't give up. Don't give up. There's breakthrough coming. He, he desires our healing more than we desire it. So don't give up with that. Be bold and be persistent in prayer. Uh, I just, okay, so I'll share one experience that I had on a retreat about, um, well, just a couple years ago, I think it was, on, on an Ignatian retreat. And um, it was during lunch. And I was, you know, it was fairly quiet. And I'm eating my lunch, and, but I could hear the guy next to me really chewing his chips, you know. And it was just really kind of distracting. Like, really? You got to chew your chips that loud, you know? I mean, um, and so this was a brother priest. And, and, I was, and, I, and so then my mind started going down that road of um, uh, well, there's this and there's that too. You know, that's kind of these judgments or these, you know, like, well, I don't like this about this person as well. And I don't like this. And I just, I could see what was going on. And I thought, wow, what was that about? And so I, I just asked the Lord, I said, um, Lord, can you just reveal for me the source of my pride in this? You know, and, um, uh, and, words came to me immediately. It was like, it was just very simple. It wasn't judgmental. It was just matter of fact. Um, it was your good grades. I told you about my good grades, but that's what he said. It was just, it was like, it wasn't thinking to it. It was just words in my mind. It was your good grades. I'm like, hmm, okay. Yeah, I could, and I start to, I sat with that a little bit and I thought, yeah, that really makes sense. Because, um, uh, pride, the pride of, yeah, that, yeah, getting good grades makes me better than others, you know, or thinking that anyway, and that that was my identity. And um, I still have to, trust me, I still have to confess pride, and I still have battle against that. I still have a battle a lot against a lot of things, but um, anyway, uh, I was, so that was just very enlightening for me though. And, and I, I'm serious where I'm, where I'm saying that it's just, it was words that came to me immediately. And, um, so then I'm walking down this hall and I'm going down to my room and I'm remembering from my retreat at the John Paul II healing center, how they said that, well, you know, you can ask the Lord where he was, just like I said earlier, you can ask the Lord where he was in a given moment. You know, at the time you were wounded, you know, and, and as I told you, that whole getting good grades thing went all the way back to the time. You know, I thought, yeah, that makes sense. It goes back to the time I was nine years old. Sunday, dad said, you got to get good grades or you won't get a good job. 
So that was kind of going through my mind and like, huh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It goes all the way back to that. So I walked down and I'm opening the door of my room and, I, and I'm remembering that I was told that I could ask the Lord where he was in that moment. And so I walk in the door and I, I'm thinking, I said, Lord, can you reveal for me where you were when I was nine years old on that day? And these words came to me. Um, he said, uh, I said, no, he doesn't. He's going to be a priest. No, he doesn't. He's going to be a priest. You know, that as my dad's telling me, I have to get great, good grades to get a good job. Jesus is saying, no, he doesn't. He's going to be a priest. Now you should get good grades in seminary. If you want to be a priest, don't get me wrong. Right. You should try to try to do that and strive for that. But honestly, when those words came to me just immediately, it was like, wow, Jesus was there. He knew that I was going to be a priest. And, and the other part of it that I kind of relished, I should say, is that he was telling off my dad, you know, um, in that moment. And so that just became a, uh, I mean, it was just an, an instance uh, definitely a, a, a point that really um, just praying with that memory um, and asking the Lord where he was or what he was saying, you know, just um, the Lord spoke into that powerfully. You know, so that was that day. And I was just really, wow, this is awesome. Then the next day was a different story because in the next day, the Lord was revealing to me the ways in which I withheld love from my dad. You know, even though, yeah, certainly I'd experienced some wounding from him and he's got to be accountable for that. Um, it also, in my woundedness, led me to withhold love from him. And, and so that was also, um, oh, just that was also sobering as well. Just two more things. Um, just want to read what, uh, what does healing look like? You know, what does it look like as we're praying with various memories? And so this is what I invite you to do. I mean, just you know, as I said earlier, if there's things, if there's memories uh, on your heart or in your mind that just um, wounds on your heart, that um, you have a sense of where it first started, if you will, or where the wound occurred. And even if you don't, to ask the Lord, okay, Lord, I have a sense that there, I was wounded in this way or that way. Could you just reveal for me where that was and, and pray from that place, from that desire? But then just to ask the Lord where he was in that time or what, he, what truth he wants to speak to you in that time. Um, okay. So, um, what does healing look like? Okay. Well, instead of abandonment, instead of abandonment, it says we feel connected and understood. We feel connected and understood. Instead of rejection, we now feel after we've had some healing of that wound, we now feel accepted and valued. 
Instead of fear, we now feel safe and secure. Instead of shame, we now feel pure and worthy. Instead of powerlessness, we now feel empowered and liberated. Instead of hopelessness, we feel hopeful and encouraged. And instead of confusion, we experience clarity and enlightenment. So that's actually on page 175 of the Be Healed book, not the Be Transformed, but Be Healed book, page 175. <clears throat> okay. What we're going to do now, I'm going to invite you to just repeat after me, um, going back to our baptism, okay? And we're just going to claim again what we received in baptism. So if you could just repeat after me, and we'll close with this. Okay, so if you would, I invite you to repeat after me. In the name and authority of Jesus Christ, which I received in my baptism, I renounce the lie that I am not loved or lovable. I renounce the curse of rejection that comes from the father of lies. I renounce the authority that I have given to anyone else but you, Father, to tell me my value and worth. You, Father, are the only one who completely knows me and loves me as I am. I acknowledge that by virtue of my baptism, I am loved and delighted in by you, Father. I also acknowledge that by virtue of my blessing in baptism, you have given me your Holy Spirit, whose love is poured out into my heart. I am one with Jesus, your beloved. Amen.